and welcome to Cult Movie Cult, where we watch and discuss the horrific, the obscure, and the flat-out strange from the other side of cinema. I am Mark Dickerson. And I'm Jeremy Fink. Today we will be continuing our series on Peter Jackson, Before Middle Earth, the early films of Peter Jackson. This will actually be the last episode of part one, which is the early, early films of Peter Jackson. And in terms of, in terms of violent, violent horror films... You know, nothing else Jackson has made will meet the next one that we're going to talk about. I think I hear the sounds of a lawnmower playing in my head. <laughs> so next up, we have Dead Alive. You got the bite. <laughs> oh, Fernando. Your mother ate my dog. Not all of it. Devil is amongst us. Stay back, boy. This calls for divine intervention. I kick ass for the Lord. Party's over. So, last on part one, we were going to discuss Dead Alive, which came out in 1992. Um, its actual name is Brain Dead. Um, it's how it was known everywhere except for in North America. Um, but we know it as Dead Alive. And uh, yeah, so it came out in 1992 and um, basically a slapstick comedy horror film, I guess you call it. Yeah. Um, did you want to, I guess, kind of go over some of the, some of the plot? Yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> so... So Dead Alive begins, it's actually begins as a period piece in 1957 with explorer Stuart McCallden, Stuart McCallden, yes, who leads his team to Skull Island with a captured Sumatran rat monkey. And he actually gets bit by this Sumatran rat monkey. I apologize if I'm mispronouncing Sumatran. Um, and then he goes back to his hometown. It's a very uh, to, Indiana well, the, Jones opening. <laughs> very Indiana Jones. So the, the yeah. rat monkey gets shipped to the Wellington Zoo in New Zealand. And then in New Zealand, we pick up with a character named Lionel Cosgrove, played by Timothy Baum, who lives in a big mansion with his mother, Vera, who's a very domineering kind of intense personality. Um, and during that time, he also meets a young lady by the name of Paquita Maria Sanchez. And the two quickly start to develop a little bit of a romantic tension between them. Um, so he takes her on a date, Maria Paquita, that is, to the Wellington Zoo, uh, where his mother also goes along, and his mother, Vera, is bitten by the rat monkey and slowly starts to descend into a zombie. Mm. Yes. Yes, she does. <laughs> yes, she does. Oh, boy. <laughs> so as we as we dig into this guy, it gets really crazy. His grandma starts, or his mother, rather, starts to turn into a zombie, and as other people start to come into their lives, it just kind of grows from there until we're faced with basically an army army of zombies and this movie gets really out of control and really gets to a level of gore that you pretty rarely see. For sure. I mean, I, I saw some reviews where, it's, you know, they called it the, the bloodiest movie ever made or the goriest movie. And I, I would probably have to agree with that. I mean, yeah. it's, uh, it's pretty much wall to wall, you know, gore. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's the basic plot. Uh, once again, as with the other two earlier, early, early films, uh, plot is not the the strongest point it's kind of there just for him to uh go off and uh make a, a crazy ass movie and make <laughs> with, a crazy ass movie he does. With, with rabid rat monkeys and uh yeah i mean plenty of zombies um 
you know, the second half of the film is pretty much uh, all these zombies coming together in, in his house. Uh, and uh, while his uncle, I believe, is trying to uh, get the uh, the house after his mother like extorting him <laughs> passes away. Yeah. Which is a, he's a horrible character. I'm glad glad he has the uh, the end that he does. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it escalates much like uh, Meet the Feebles you know, as it goes, kind of culminating in this this ending, which we'll we'll talk about later. Very but big, uh, infamous ending. Yeah. Yes, yes, very. Uh, you know, it's it's very impressive. Also, the uh, the ending. I, I I thought from a practical standpoint. Absolutely, this was his biggest budget film to date. Correct. It was. It was um, three three million. Um, actually, was was what uh, the budget was reported to be on this one. And it's also his first film that was actually, you know, when it came out, it was received fairly well by critics. Um, it's still bombed, of course. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, financially, it did not do well. Um, but the critics actually enjoyed this one, I think, because it's just so over the top. And uh, you kind of know when you're watching it that it's uh, they're in on the joke, sort of. You know what I mean? It's, it's kind of like, um, you know, what, what can we throw at you? And, you know, obviously... This is all in the tone of, of a comedy. Um, none of this should be taken seriously. Um, and I think everyone kind of got that, which is yeah. actually, you know, it's pretty rare for that to happen. But, um, you know, everyone seemed to be on the same page with it when it came out. Yeah, I think I think that this one, what maybe attracted critics to it is that it has this this kind of unexplainable thing where it maybe just feels a little bit smarter. It, it feels like a somewhat more sophisticated artist working. Obviously, it was made for a little bit bigger of a budget. Mm-hmm. than his previous re- films were made, but it also seems to be a little bit more self-aware. Um, I, I think that if you watch if you watch Bad Taste or you watch Meet the Feebles, there seems to be um, maybe a little bit less enjoyment of the gore. The gore seems like, like the attraction, you know, but there's not as much of a wink and a nod. The audience isn't necessarily as in on the gore. They're just more along for the ride. Whereas on Dead Alive or Brain Dead, it really feels like Jackson wants the audience to kind of just get swept up and, and be part of the gore he wants them to be in there you know you can even see it with the camera work you know as, as the way he moves through the zombies which jackson i think something he uses beautifully throughout his work is the pov shot mm-hmm. um Definitely. and I, I you know he even he'll start scenes with a pov shot which is really interesting you know normally that's kind of reserved you'll kind of work into that um objective ca- or that subjective camera rather mm-hmm. um yeah. but whereas jackson will just throw you right into a pov and i think that he uses it he uses his POVs, but just also his storytelling in general in a pretty masterful way to bring the viewer into the story on this one rather than being a, a spectator from the outside. Yeah, that was one of the things I actually noted um, is that his camera camera moves became more prevalent and like a lot more energy, um, even to the editing and everything. Um, you know, it's just he you can tell it's a filmmaker that's learned a lot. And, uh, you know, this one looks the most, I guess, mainstream out of the three that we're talking about in this episode. Um, but it still carries on the same themes, you know, uh, extreme violence, dark humor, you know, that he had in his previous films, uh, just in a much more somehow over the top, <laughs> over the yeah. top way. Yeah. Yeah. He somehow yeah. managed to best himself. Somehow. Yeah. Each somehow. of these, each of these early efforts. And in our next episode, we'll be talking about heavenly creatures, which is an interesting departure, but somehow still yeah. becomes, it's still a pretty treacherous film, but we'll stay on Dell for now. Yeah. He just, he brings it to a new level. Um, but what's interesting about um, Dead Alive, as opposed to something like Meet the Feebles, where Meet the Feebles, you have this huge catharsis, and then the stories feel very real. I think that Jackson on this one really wanted it to feel like a fiction. 
he, he wanted it to be kind of rooted so far away from reality that you didn't even question, you know, you didn't even question for a second that it was a fiction and just let yourself get lost in this gore, literally just washed in this, this bloody, disgusting, pulpy, strange mm-hmm. mess. Definitely. Um, and he actually, I, I guess he didn't design the, the special effects uh, makeup for this one. Um, I'm, I'm sure he was involved in some way, but um, actually the, the person responsible for creating the, uh, uh, the makeup for this one is, is someone named Bob McCarran. McCarran, sorry. Um, and he also worked on some pretty notable films. He worked on The Matrix, uh, Dark City, and also uh, a movie I hope to cover on this uh, very show someday, The Return of Captain Invincible. I don't know if you've seen that one, but... <laughs> yeah, I haven't uh, done that one yet. It's, it's very much a cult film. It's a, a musical. Actually, um, Richard O'Brien, who did the, the music for... Uh, um, who wrote uh, Rocky Horror, it did mm. the music for that movie. Um, and it's about an alcoholic uh, superhero, so... Um, interesting did he yeah. stick with did he stick with jackson through his concurrent films i i don't believe so um it looked like he kind of went off and did his own thing <laughs> apparently he was he was also a medic and a, a wildlife and, and a wildlife enthusiast so he was a man a man of many talents um i think he worked on with the olympics actually as a medic there um so i guess he he kind of was involved with all different things but the the matrix and dark city were the, the probably the two biggest ones i noticed on on his uh, resume i wonder if his his background as a medic influenced how he approached scenes of gore and That's body horror yeah, yeah. it wasn't i could be wrong but it wasn't tom savini he was he was like a war photographer i could be totally off the ball on this but I, I can think, totally see that, though. <laughs> I think I think so, yeah, because it just seemed a little yeah. more real, and not that this one seems so particularly real, but there are some particularly disturbing, just oh, yeah. dis- like really disturbing body horror moments. There's some shots where you have to look away, like it's just you know, uh, it's it's yeah, it gets pretty grotesque, pretty gruesome. Yeah, definitely some weird science in this one as well. Uh, one <laughs> yeah. thing that we talked about before is how in in a Jackson, at least an early Peter Jackson movie, and I suppose a late Peter Jackson movie. I mean, if you look at Lord of the Rings, that's clearly its own set of rules and set of, in its own world. But in this in this zombie movie, you know, obviously Dead Alive is a zombie film. Um, what what's interesting is that our main character Lionel seems to be able to control the zombies by injecting them with an with a tranquilizer, an animal tranquilizer. And keeping them sedated, which is interesting because, you know, zombies obviously aren't living creatures. So it's it's kind of strange to me that, uh-huh. that for some reason this, this animal tranquilizer seems to work and you have to kill them in a certain way. And some of them, their organs live on even after their bodies are just... So the, so the set of rules for this one is a little bit all over the place, but that definitely leads to some weird, very weird science. Although it ended up being an animal uh, stimulant, didn't it? it? Ended up being like the opposite. Yeah, something, it like tranquilized them for a bit and then... Yeah. At some point, they it all kicked in. Um, but it's funny that you mentioned uh, Lord of the Rings because I, you know, one of the interesting facts I saw about this film was that uh, the opening with the Skull Island, which is obviously a, a King Kong reference there, um, he would later use that same location in the Lord of the Rings. Uh, it was actually in the Return of the King uh, for the Paths of the of the Dead scenes. Um, oh wow! He actually, he actually shot in the same exact location, which is you know that's pretty interesting. I think, um, and and that's you know we're gonna find a lot of things as we go through these films. That you know, while Lord of the Rings is its own thing and so different from these early films, you know there there is some things that do carry over, um, and we'll talk about that more later. Um, yeah, he definitely has he definitely has a thumbprint that runs through. Maybe more so. I, I mean, I think I think we could definitely go as far as to call Jackson an auteur. Um, definitely, I think so. Yeah, we could definitely we could definitely go that far. But it's interesting because it seems like there was a clear break at some point of it in his career where he kind of switched stylistically. It, it was mm-hmm. you know. Like he he was cruising right along. It was almost like Godard went to color, 
you know, and all of a sudden <laughs> yeah. there was like this hard, but, but at the same time, there is this clear thumbprint that runs straight through. And I think something that we mentioned earlier in, in this episode or in this part rather is that how he used New Zealand as he kind of would always paint a portrait of New Zealand. And I think that this is, is pretty present in this film as well. Okay. So some other, um, you know, just quick facts, interesting facts that I wanted to just kind of go through right now. Um, this film was shot in 11 weeks. Um, it all culminated with the shooting of the park scene, which was Jackson's favorite scene. Um, he thought it was the funniest in the whole film. Um, and it, it definitely does stand out uh, with the zombie baby running around. Um, <laughs> and they put apparently like a good majority of, of the their funds and, and their money from this film into that scene. They really just took their time with it. Uh, I believe they shot it over the course of a few days. Um, and this movie is said to be, you know, we talked about the gore factor <laughs> in it. And this movie is said to be, you know, the bloodiest of all time, um, actually measured in amount of, of actual film blood um, used in the production. 300 liters of fake blood was used in the final scene alone. Mm-hmm. So that, that gives you some idea of, you know, just how much blood was pumping through this movie. I, I wonder where that stacks up against like a Kill Bill volume one. Or yeah. something like that. It's got it might be pretty close, but it's, I, I could believe be that close. this one's more. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so this movie, um, we were going to talk about this a little bit, but this was fairly successful in a way. I mean, in, when he released it in New Zealand, um, you know, when it was initially released, this movie actually earned more per screen than Batman Returns. If you can believe that, um, <laughs> I can't believe so, that. that's crazy. <laughs> you, uh, I, I couldn't believe it either. But maybe because it was someone from New Zealand making the film, everyone must have went out to see it. Um, you know, it must have been hyped uh, a lot when it came out. And uh, you were actually going to talk a little bit about the uh, reviews of the time. Yeah, so it was positively reviewed at the time. Um, one thing that I saw—I don't know if this was a review from the actual time itself, but from the Ro- Roger Ebert site. Um, from a review written by, I'm going to totally butcher her name, but it looks like Sung Young Cho, um, where she said, some horror movies have mercy on uninformed audiences who have no idea what what they will be about to get. The opening sequence of New Zealand horror film Dead Alive, 1992, which is also known as Brain Dead, is a good example because it kindly gives the audience a very clear idea of what it is about and how it is about to get it. Um, so I think that what, what, you know, just something that she's saying that's great about Jackson and how he approached this film is there's just really no fear. He just lets you know. He creates his world immediately, and you're just in it. You're in it straight through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, much like the other films uh, where we talked about plot not being <laughs> a huge thing, the story is there, but it's more of like a means of jumping off. It's not really the point. Um, demented zombie babies spewing green goo is more is more the point in this film yeah. it kind of seems like although there are some interesting things if we're going to look at it from kind of our uh, our analytical standpoint there are some interesting things thematically running along in this film which which is something i really like to try to do is when we have these horror movies because i think that horror movies and, and cult movies in general that don't play by your standard dramatic cinematic rules can kind of use metaphor in a way that a lot of movies aren't able to do. They don't have to be as straight about things because they, they play by these off the wall, you know, these off the wall settings and plots. Um, so their own roles. Yeah, exactly. And I think there is some interesting stuff present in this film about the relationship of son to mother and, and kind of the, the room that a significant other mm-hmm. plays in a young person's life versus a parent. And obviously we have this kind of competitive situation between Vera, the mother and Paquita, the girlfriend mm-hmm. playing straight through. There's some yeah, there's some Freudian things going on. Yeah, some very Freudian. Yeah. yeah, definitely about a man trying to a young man trying to move on 
from the feeling that he needs his mother in his life, which is maybe something, I mean, I don't know, personally, it seems like Peter Jackson has a good relationship with his mother, considering that she let him, you know, she was made dinner for him. Yeah, she and she was (laughs) making dinner for him and his friends when they were making bad taste. But, you know, you, you look at him in, in the scope of his life. At this point, he's a young man really kind of going out onto his own. I mean, how was he when he made, how old was he when he made this film? You know, his early 30s, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, so, he was you young, know, yeah. He was young. So a young man kind of going out into the world and taking risks and learning about new things for the first time. You know, it is, it is an interesting thing to follow thematically as opposed mm-hmm. to in context of his career. Yeah, I mean, while there's not the, you know, the story's not the most important part, you're right. There is themes that run through the film that are, you know, I think important and uh, you know, like the, the mother aspect is a huge thing. I mean, <laughs> talk about Freud. He literally goes back into his mother at the end <laughs> in yeah, a way. Very um, and then is birthed out in a way. Um, but uh, yeah, there's, there's lots of, of interesting themes going on. For sure. So as, as we talk about the end, because we're, we're drawing to the end of our time here. Um, so there is one scene in particular, similar to meet the feebles. That is the climax of the movie that we must talk about. And the reason I mentioned a lawnmower before is, well, because it involves a very, very bloody scene with a lawnmower. Mark, mm-hmm. would you like to elaborate? Well, there's a lawnmower, and uh, <laughs> it, it is used, uh, the lawnmower blade, rather, is used to basically mow through uh, the undead. Um, just cuts right through them. I like how he cuts through the crowd of zombies, and then he kind of takes a moment, just a beat there, and then he turns around and goes right back through them again. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, that part just really stands out. Yeah, and then the kind of the nonchalance is an interesting thing, mm-hmm. as opposed to if we look back at, at Meet the Feebles, which is, is this very cathartic, intense, dramatic scene. It, it's interesting how we move to this one, which is something that's present in a lot of zombie films, is that because they're so far detached at this point, that there is this nonchalance to the killing. He's just having fun with it. And I think that, you know, that's something that Jackson at this point as a filmmaker was maybe doing too. It doesn't seem like there was a lot of pressure that he was imposing on himself necessarily with this film. He wasn't too precious with it. He really let himself just go wild and have fun on this one. Yeah. And and much like the Feebles, uh, almost every scene in this stands out in some way. Um, Did you have any particular favorite moments or scenes from this film? So I did have a favorite moment in this one, and it wasn't a big, crazy moment like you would necessarily think. But there's a scene when his mother has just turned into a zombie and we're just kind of but she hasn't really started to change yet. And they have a couple of very posh New Zealand, you know, like high class aristocratic dinner guests over. And they're eating a bowl of soup and his mother's ear starts to slowly fall off her head and drops into the bowl of soup. And I know personally, I'm very responsive to textures. Mm-hmm. And there was just something texturally. There aren't a lot of moments in films at this point in my life that I can say that genuinely make me cringe or look away. But I was eating breakfast when I was watching this movie. And <laughs> I, had to, I, I had to stop eating breakfast at that scene just because it was just the sound of the soup and the colors are just yeah. so unbelievably disturbing. I would advise against eating at all during this film. <laughs> or or any any of these three films. Any of these three honest. films. Yes, totally. Um, that's a good scene. You'll, um, you'll get a bad taste in your mouth. Exactly. Oh, I see what Ooh, you did there. Funny. Um, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that scene is, is funny and disgusting. And um, for me, a lot of the scenes that stood out, actually the, the nurse scene, this, a lot of the scenes with the nurse were very mm-hmm. funny. I thought, you know, how she, her, the way her, her head kind of like, flops back when he throws a wall ornament at her um, yeah. and the way and the way she keeps coming back afterwards i mean 
There's mm-hmm. so much like utter ridiculousness and impossibility that's on display. And the baby. The baby, and the baby, of course. of course. Yeah, the baby is just like a whole other thing. A, yeah. a zombie baby who is much larger than a normal newborn baby. Yes, um, <laughs> and it, but it all adds to the fun. And I mean, this movie is a lot of fun. Um, the nurse, uh, again, the nurse eating when she's eating food later and it's like oozing out of her, the slit in her neck <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, is especially uh, funny, but, you know, yeah. revolting. It's, it's, kind of, it's kind of what it would be like if the Marx Brothers mm-hmm. made a really gory zombie movie. <laughs> Oh yeah, there's plenty of jo- like there's actual jokes in the movie like the yeah. zombies the zombies literally sucking face like on the dinner table when they're like making out with each other. Um yeah. and al- also the part where the main character is trying to run away from the zombies but he's continually slipping and running in place on the blood that's on the floor. Um yeah. I think I feel like that kind of sums up the movie in a way. Yeah. It's just this kind of slapstick, you know, like like you mentioned the Marx Brothers or you know Three Stooges that kind of humor. Yeah, and um, I think if you were to look at the influence of this movie because now we're at, we're at a point in Jackson's career where people are actually really starting to see his films on a wider audience, I think if you look at somebody like an Edgar Wright, I, I can't imagine Shaun of the Dead existing, oh, yeah. you know, or Hot Fuzz existing without oh. without uh Brain Dead or Dead Alive. I, I read that um, this film was a direct, uh, you know, was basically yeah. what inspired Shaun of the Dead. So Absolutely. that totally makes sense. Um, Shaun of the Dead seems tame compared to this one, though, I will say. Yeah, and, exactly. and the gore factor, but uh, th- definitely the way that, you know, they incorporate zombies and comedy and gore and all that. Very um, the top. Yeah, totally. Um, and, of course, the mom creature at the end. Um, we can't talk about the film without talking about that. I would say mm-hmm. besides uh, the lawnmower blade, uh, that would probably be the other main thing that sticks out, uh, besides the baby, of course, too, yeah. um, is the and way the, the film culminates with that climax. Which is something you you have to just see this particular part for yourself if you haven't. Um, but yeah. I, I hope you have, because if you <laughs> haven't, we've already talked about a lot of the film. But it's just this mom creature is just totally mm-hmm. over the top and bizarre. It's huge. And, yeah, the things that... It, that happens to her and that she does is just, you really do just have to watch it. Um, definitely a visual. <laughs> definitely a visual. Um, so yeah, that's um, pretty much all I have to say. Do you have anything else you wanted to add on uh, dead alive? Uh, no, I think, I think we've pretty much put it out there. Just go see it yourself. Highly recommend all three of these films that really. Yes, really I do as ride. well. And uh, Oh, one thing I did want to add is I kick ass for the Lord. I kick ass for the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> Which has to be the best line in the movie. Um, best line, yeah. Because it's said by a priest. Um, <laughs> so that would be part one of our two-part series next time we're going to talk about the late early films of peter jackson which would include heavenly creatures and the frighteners um yes. all leading up to of course the lord of the rings which we're not going to talk about but you know you can you can find plenty on that if you would like to and we, um, we mention it but <laughs> we'll talk about a little bit we'll tie it all together but um yeah. All right. Well, this has been Cult Movie Cult. Thank you very much for listening. You can join us next time for the next part in this series on Peter Jackson called Before Middle Earth, the early films of Peter Jackson. And feel free to find us on iTunes, Facebook, and various other forms of social media. Jeremy, did you have anything you wanted to, uh, wanted no. to add? No. Uh, just thanks for listening. Once again, you just listened to part one of our episode Before Middle Earth, the early films of Peter Jackson. You listened to the early, early films. Next time we will be discussing the late early films. So once again, you've been listening to Cult Movie Cult, where we watch and discuss the horrific, the obscure, and the flat-out strange from the other side of cinema. See you next time from the other side.